0: Ready is relentless. Ready is fearless. Ready is fearing no foe. Ready for the next level? Renew your season ticket now and support Rangers into season 2021. Prices are frozen for next season and the renewals deadline is extended. Visit rangers.co.uk slash renew to secure your season ticket
1: today. Always Rangers. Always loyal. Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by fans for fans where the content is absolutely free. And remember guys, it's not just the the pod that's free, we have the online content as well uh, uh, on the Jersnet website and we've got the forums as well which is all absolutely free. It is episode 90 of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. We're only 10 away from the tonne, we've been going for about two years now. Nearly at the three thousand subscribers mark. So, if you're listening to the pod and you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe and, and leave a wee comment and share us on social media and get the word out there as to what we're doing. Uh, the podcast is live tonight. We are live on YouTube, but the pod will be available to download on stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including ACast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify, all the rest. If you're listening regularly, you know the drill. If not, welcome. Uh, to Jersnet and remember, and to subscribe now again. It's it's another week of no football. We're still in lockdown. I don't know how you guys are coping. I am. Uh, I've got serious cabin fever now. I am going off my nut. I can't deal with this anymore. Uh, my hair's an S and I just I'm just done with it. I'm just absolutely done with it. Uh, so we'll look at that. We'll look at the lockdown stuff. We'll, obviously, there, there was the, the awarding of the 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 SPFL title this this week. Uh, we'll discuss that. We'll have a look at the announcement from the club of the players that are, have been told that can leave and their contracts end in the summer, including Andy Halliday, Wes Forgingham and John Flanagan. We'll also have a wee look at Club 1872 uh, and the daily record. There was a bit of uh, a stromash through the week with um, uh, the Hadji deal. There's, it's rumoured that he is going to sign for the club for about 4 five million. Uh, and we'll also today is the 48th anniversary of Rangers winning the European Cup Winners' Cup in Barcelona we'll have a wee uh, talk about that hopefully if I've got time at the end of the show. So joining me tonight, uh, two regulars of the pod. We've got the second best host on the pod. We've got Ross Bennett. How are you Ross?
2: Second best host, first best looking, so that's fine. I'll, I'm happy enough with that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not too bad. It's um, The weeks are all kind of blending into one. I think you, you remember last time Colin we were on together, I mentioned that uh, the light in my bedroom had gone out. Unfortunately, that's extended to the rest of the flat now. All of the lights have gone, so um, sitting in the dark, but it doesn't darken my spirits.
1: Oh, there you are. That was that was a brilliant line at the end. There, you came out that splendidly, Ross. You might have actually just been promoted to best host. You want me to hand the duties <laughs> over to you now? <laughs>
2: that's kind, thank you.
1: I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my ball. It's my ball. You're not getting it. Uh, <laughs> it's good to see that you're sitting in total darkness. So I mean, I know people say it's uh it's the, the biggest thing to hit the country since World War II, but I didn't know you were doing a voluntary blackout there. But there we go. That's it's all it's all uh, in the the good cause of whatever it is we're trying to do. Uh, and also joining us tonight, we've got a regular contributor to the pod, John McCallum. How are you, John? Uh you were telling us before you came on here there that you're decorating. I can't think of any. Worse to do at this particular moment in time than decking. I'm a,
0: mas- I'm a masochist. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of fun, but uh, it's nearly finished, and um, everybody in the house is still talking to each other. So um, I played. That's mission accomplished, I think. Looking forward to this tonight. That's been the, the highlight of the weekend.
1: Yeah, it's kind of getting like that for for me as well. Honestly, even though there's not much to talk about, you're looking for anything. To sort of break your day up you know as i was saying before we came on air, i'm actually losing track of what time of day it is what day it is it's, i mean i was kind of late getting this set up tonight because i was kind of sitting there like oh plenty of time and i looked at my watch and it was like 20 past nine i thought oh better get my finger out i'm just sitting here oh, i don't know i don't know it's just it's day my not and as i said the hair situation's getting a bit of pain I cannot get any work at all. I mean, I'm working from home, but my productivity is absolutely zero. I think a couple of Thursdays ago, I got up in the morning, came down, had my porridge and basically sat in my jammies all day, just staring at the screen. You know what I mean? I just, I, I can't get going at all. So I'm... <laughs> I, can only
0: ass- I can only
1: assume your bosses aren't blue nosies. Uh, <laughs> are we, 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 we did have a conversation
2: on Thursday about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and they were very the, understanding. Well, are you not? You're in the public sector, are you not? So that's that's. Oh, I couldn't
1: tax. say. Couldn't possibly say.
2: <laughs> all the listeners paying that tax money for you to sit around in your pants.
1: Well, you know, uh, see, because you've said that, you know, you don't know if I do work in the public sector, you know, I might be a double O, and now I've got to kill you, Ross. You know what I mean? Because oh, you've, you've, let, you've, you've let things go. Uh, Aye, but I would have to have a wee chat on Thursday. They they were very understanding because I I, I do think a lot of people who are working from home, the guy that delivers my Chinese on a Friday night, he was saying, he knows somebody that got sacked that was working from home because they were just, they just couldn't get going at all. Uh, So aye, I need to, (laughs) something I maybe need to challenge, (laughs) get my finger out. My wife made a good suggestion actually. She said, maybe you need to start getting up and, you know, putting your work clothes on and putting your mind into a, I, I just kind of get into a work frame of mind, that seems to be the issue. Uh, but aye, so I'm, I'm I'm off tomorrow, so on Tuesday I'm going to get up as if I was travelling into the city and all that kind of thing, put my work clothes on and, and sit it down and see if that switches me on. Because yeah, it's not happening now, It's just, it's just a depressing sight. I must admit But anyway, right. Well, <laughs> enough about my. People are still listening to this? <laughs> no. Enough, enough about my lack of productivity. <laughs> uh, let's go into the show and the things in hand. Uh, right, uh, guys. We all knew it was coming. Yeah, I think it was Monday this week. Uh, that you know, that I think after Rangers' proposal the week before, was voted out, which we could all see coming as well. You know, it was just a matter of time before all the clubs voted in favour of giving the title to Celtic and relegating hearts. Uh, Ross, I'll come to you first. As I said, not a surprise, but do you agree with the decision or does the whole thing just reek a wee bit to you?
2: Um no, I mean, I clearly don't agree with the decision. I didn't agree with the decision in Belgium a few weeks back when they gave the title to uh, to Club Rouge. I don't agree with them giving the title to, to Celtic this week. I, I, will, I will even have a very, very hard time agreeing with them giving the title to Liverpool if, if that's the route they go down in England, despite the, the gargantuan points difference. Uh, it's just not sport, is it? You know, if you just decide in a committee room uh, who gets the title. Uh, it's, it's not the way that sports should be done. And, and we come back to this phrase of sporting integrity. Um, I, as I mentioned on the podcast over the last couple of weeks, if this was being played out in the park, would we have caught Celtic? Probably not. Would Celtic have won the title? It's, I mean, it's a near certainty that they probably would have done. Um, the, the point that I always come back to on this is it, it's embarrassing that the SPFL... We're so keen to wrap it up so, so quickly um, and award the title to Celtic saying there's no way in hell we could get this season finished. We simply couldn't finish the season. For them to award the title to Celtic after the German league had already restarted, we've now heard that Spain's kicking up in about two weeks' time, Um, it's just a brass neck. So they'd have won the title on the park anyway, so I don't understand why Celtic didn't push their hardest to restart the season. and, And... and win it on the park, not have any chat about asterisks or um, tainted titles. Uh, but the question, do I agree with it? No, it's, uh, this isn't how sport should be decided. It should be won on the pitch, not in some back room somewhere with with no one understanding the goings-on behind the scenes.
1: Well, she say, you know, they would have won it on the park anyway, which I suppose in terms of the odds, they would have. But, you know, I, I've always sort of said, well, you know, it was 13 points, however, with a game in hand. If we'd won that, it's down to 10. If if you win the old fun game that was postponed eh, in March, it's down to seven, seven points with seven games to go. Now, Celtic famously won at Ibrox Park in 2005, April-May time, put themselves five points clear with five games to go, and that led to Helicopter Sunday, and we, we did manage to turn that around. So Seven points in seven games, it looks like a big gap, and I suppose you could argue that it is. But they have lost titles from that position before. And that's what gets me. You know, people see, you say, oh, it's 13 points. But it isn't really 13 points because we've got a game in hand. We were about to play them. You win those two games, you've, ha- you've, you've, you've effectively halved that difference straight away. So it, it, it doesn't sit with me. And I'll come back to Hearts as well. Hearts been relegated through this. Uh, it, it, it stinks. But this, this notion that Celtic, yeah, they, they were on course to win. But even Neil Lennon and Scott Brown, before we went into lockdown, were saying, well, the title's not won, the title's not won. And then it goes into lockdown they're giving it, oh, we were going to win the title. It just doesn't add up to me. No,
2: I I, I know. I mean, the words of the integrity of Scott Brown and Neil Lennon is, you know, as valuable as the words that come out of my left foot. It it doesn't mean anything. Um, Yes, of course, Celtic have thrown away have bottled in the past um, and actually have quite funny form for doing so uh, let's not pretend that we were in world-beating form you know this is the team that lost to Hamilton we're the team that could not beat hearts and, and had some really really poor performances and obviously going into that old firm game we were not in good shape you know and and I felt at the time when that old firm game was postponed it was a bit of a blessing actually because it was like right well let's regroup now and, and rebuild and 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 be ready for when it does come around sadly it looks like it's never going to well it clearly is never going to come back around so um i i sincerely believe that they would have won it on the park and i look colin you know me i don't i don't like saying that of course i don't um it's just that that's the bit that i still can't wrap my head around is why wouldn't they want to why wouldn't they want to do away with all of this uh, conspiracy theories and all of the the chat about asterisks and tainted titles could have been so easily avoided if they'd only lobbied like Rangers to get the season restarted.
1: John, I'll come at you now. i uh, I got a text from me. Now he's he's about he's, he's one of these Rangers fans that just moans all the time. Hey, uh, hi Scott, hope you're listening. Is that
0: why you've come to uh, me? Is that what Paul's doing? <laughs>
1: you're the opposite of that. You're, you've got a very a, a level-headed view of things. That's why this is why I can't. He's, he has, he's very negative, Scott. When it, especially when it comes to Rangers. You know what I mean? And when it was announced that it was a unanimous vote and that Rangers had also voted in favour, you know, handing the title and all that kind of thing, he he came on straight away. At the text, unanimous vote. You know, why should I renew my season ticket now? That kind of chat. Uh, and I just, that's what I, I sort of said to him. Like, well what option did the club have? You know, if they vote against it, I suppose, they'll maybe look a bit petty. You know, once once their counter-resolution had failed the week before, I don't know if the club had anywhere to go. But the more I thought about it, I thought, well, maybe it does kind of have a point and he thinks it's a, it's also the first sign that the club are going to walk away from any sort of you know, legal stuff or litigation against the SPFL. He thinks that's the the white flag getting rolled up. What was your view on that? The Rangers really backed into a corner or could they have done a wee bit more in terms of voting against it and and maybe being a wee bit more principled about it and saying that they didn't agree with the decision or was it just a case of, you know, if you're the only ones voting against it, we look petty? I think
0: it's interesting listening to what Ross said and I listened to the guys last week as well. And and I all along, I felt there's more to this than we know. And I still feel that because, like you, I don't understand why Celtic didn't want to win the, win the league on the, on the pitch. I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me that either, because as Ross says, they were clear favourites. Takes away anything. Plus, you know, there's revenue to be had in that. Um, so I've come to the assumption that, that they don't feel they could, that they couldn't get the games played in time. And I listened to Radio Scotland yesterday, um, that seemed to be what's coming out, that they've basically all realised there is just no way on earth they're going to get these games played before the start of next season. Rangers obviously disagreed with that two or three weeks ago because they wanted to to keep going. Um, They didn't want to give it up. And clearly by giving it up, they're giving up money. There's going to be there's financial implications for not finishing this season. But my understanding, and I'm reading between the lines, and I have no insight, nobody gives me any knowledge, this is just my opinion, right? Um my understanding of this is that they have the opportunity to to they will lose more money by not starting next season than they will by not finishing this one. Does that make sense? And because of that, I think Rangers have decided that there is no point in taking this any further. So I agree with your friend. I don't think there's going to be any legal repercussions for this. I don't think Rangers will sue. I don't think they'll take him to court. I I think Rangers will now bide their time. I I mean, I think Doncaster's done for. You know, I I think he's hanging on just now because it would be even more chaotic if he was to resign with everything that's going on. But I think he was going to leave. I think... You know, too many clubs spoke out against what happened. Um, and I suspect we're going to see quite a bit of, you know, quite some fairly challenging times coming up in the next few months for quite a lot of clubs. You know, 17 players that Dunfermline let go earlier this week. Um, and they're not going to be the only ones. And they you know, by Scottish standards, Dunfermline are a reasonable-sized club. And, um, and they let go pretty much the entire first-team squad um so i i don't think rangers voting for this is i think it is surprising still i think they might have done something but i think that tells me that we've we've decided that we've done all we can for now um and that we now need to look forward to next season and i trying to get this this game these games on for next season because we are not going to finish this season at the they've all decided it's not it's not possible now uh and i, and I agree with them there's no way they are going to get games played they'll struggle with games played in august so um i think your pal should should keep getting a season ticket i don't know how many games he's going to see with it but i think you know i wouldn't give up yet um but i think you you, you pick your battles if you want to win the war and i think that battle's done um and and wait for the next one that's my view
1: You make an interesting point there about, you know, the amount of clubs I speak who have started releasing players. Now, another friend of mine raised a really good point. You know, hearts are starting to release players. And obviously with them being relegated, you know, there's talk that this could throw them into deep sort of financial Uh, stook. They will be looking to offload players. Now, they haven't cancelled the Scottish Cup. So where is the sport and integrity in that? That the the Scottish Cup is still, they're going to try and finish those games, but Celtic are playing against a Hearts team which are going to be, you know, I I mean, I know they're bottom of the league and Celtic were favourites to go through anyway, but the chances are if these games do go ahead, Hearts are going to have a squad that's nowhere near as good as the squad that they've got now. So again, going back... Sorry,
0: but there's a very real chance that Hearts won't play any football next season. And that, that's not hyperbole. There is a genuine chance that the Scottish Championship will not start next season. The Hearts will have nobody to play against. That's not, I, that, that's that's a, a genuine threat. The, the chairman of, of chair, I think it was the chairman of Air United was interviewed uh, very recently. And, and he has basically said there is no way that his club can start to play football in August. That, that it's not possible for them to start playing football in August. And if they have to play behind closed doors, then that again, add another level of of difficulty to this because the amount of money that that the clubs in the Championship and we know this, we were there not that long ago, the amount of money that they get from TV deals and and the like is, is tiny, you know, it, it's it's absolutely tiny, and um, so so their money comes through the turnstile, and if they have got nobody coming through their turnstiles, which they don't, then They don't have any money. They can't pay players. So they're going to all let their players go. And there's a genuine chance that Hearts won't have a league to play in. So how Hearts are going to have a team to play Celtic in the Scottish Cup whenever those games get played? You know, it's all nonsense. You know, the the Scottish Cup hasn't been cancelled because there's clearly some sort of clause in the Scottish Cup deal that says if you cancel this, you give us back all the money. You have to finish the tournament. So they're they're pretending just now they're going to do it. And maybe they will play it at some point things are farce. You know, there's forget about sport and integrity. This is just an attempt to shore up whatever money is available. That's all that is.
1: Ross, in terms of, of, of Celtic's title win, you now they have they went to great pains this week to sort of make a big thing about it. But it does feel like a bit of a hollow victory. Now I remember when Rangers won won the nine in a row at Tanadice that night. And I wasn't at the game. I listened to it on the radio, and uh, you know, proper celebrations. It was, it was, I think, it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. And the final whistle went. It went down to my dad's, and then all my mates were all out at weekend celebrating, and a real feeling that we'd achieved something. You know what I mean? We'd, we'd had the nine shoved down our throats for all those years, and, and and now we'd done it. Now this feels. I mean, if you'd said to me, you know, Celtic were going to win nine in a row again, I'd. Oh God, I couldn't. I couldn't deal with that if they'd done that again. And I have to say, it, it doesn't feel anything like them winning nine in a row to me. And the main reason is, for, for four years we weren't there. You know, I've viewed the nine in a row, When Celtic won nine in a row. They've done it with their, their, their biggest rivals in the same league as them. It was a, co- a contest between us and them. And they beat us nine times in a row. When we done it in the sort of late 80s, and the 90s, same thing. We beat our main rivals nine years in a row, and we done it playing them four times a season. Whereas Celtic under Jock Steen done it playing twice a season. So, 18, I think it was 18 games they played in total to win nine in a row when sort of 18 games against Rangers. We played Celtic 36 times over the nine years. So, they had 36 opportunities to stop us and to dent our, our chances equal equaling that record, and they couldn't do it. This just feels like a kid on, you know I mean? We could, there was a chance it was going to happen. The minute you know we were, we were lumped into the third division, you know, for four years when we were in the lower leagues, Celtic Park was getting attendances of like fifteen thousand and sometimes less. And they've 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 secured it on a vote. You know, they've secured it by being awarded it, not by winning it. The whole thing just it, it is not. And, and to me, that will devalue the ten as well if they get the ten because none of this feels like it was done against us.
2: Well, yeah, I think there's a couple of important points there. First and foremost, um, maybe the most important thing to say, it doesn't it doesn't have the same feeling um, or, or the same magnitude of, of when Rangers won nine in a row, or, or say so I wasn't around when Celtic won nine in a row the first time, but it doesn't have the same feeling or, or magnitude because, let's be fair, we have bigger things to think about right now. Um, you know, the, the state of Scottish football or... The, the destination of the, the Scottish Premier League trophy shouldn't it's not first and foremost in everyone's minds at, at, at this time but you know really the, the reason that it doesn't feel as um, as significant as previous nine in a row is, is is exactly that clarification you just made they didn't win it this is not a title win for Celtic this is a title gift they've been they've been handed the title they've been awarded the title and um, not even on a technicality just on a, a vote based on misinformation based on intimidation um it's i think that's that's all you can say about the matter is is that and again so you know i, th- I think most people know i, I, I work for uh um, bookmakers so thinking about odds for next year celtic will start next season whenever that starts um apparently mid-august according to the sfa today um, Celtic will start odds on to win 10 in a row and I think we all obviously sort of need to come to terms with what that means but it, I don't know maybe we don't go into that with the same feeling of trepidation or the same magnitude because you're right it, it, is, it is so devalued and you know as, if you try and put yourself in, in the mind of a Celtic fan um, don't do it for too long it's bad for your health but if you try and think along, along those lines you know, if, if a Rangers fan was to say to you, well, that you know, four of those are devalued because Rangers weren't in the league, you'd sort of just go, it doesn't matter if Rangers were in the league. We, we beat the 11 competitors that we have in front of us. Okay, fine. Um, you did win the league those four years. And, and um, you know, to a degree, yes, that it's, it's not the same, but there's no technicality. There's nothing on paper to take that away from them. This one, this number nine, it's not a win. And it's so hollow, and uh, you know, you almost—you've uh, seen the, the big stupid grin on Neil Lennon's face as he shows off the trophy by himself in a forest with a bag of cans. Um, they're hamming it up. They're—they're—they're they're, they're almost trying to force credibility into it and say, "No, no, no look, this is this is real. This is significant. Um, we we really did do it. Don't don't worry about the fact that we didn't play." the post-split fixtures, which are necessarily the hardest games of the season. Don't worry about the fact that we didn't have to deal with the pressure of the run-in or the fact that Rangers could have got that down to um, a four-point margin. Don't, just ignore that. This is real. And they, they're forcing that credibility onto it um, because they're desperate to do so, because they know that this is entirely an illegitimate title that does not hold the same value as even the titles that they won when Rangers were out of the league. So I, I completely agree with you. I think it, going into next season, had, had this been a complete season that was one legitimately on the park, I would be feeling a hell of a lot worse um, about the prospect of, of Celtic getting 10 in a row, which is an entirely symbolic and meaningless thing anyway, um, than, I, than I currently do, because it is so devalued by the events of this season. John, Ed,
1: Ross sort of mentioned there, you know, they've, they've been really hamming it up. And I would have to agree with that, you know, and, and it just seems like they're trying to convince themselves more than anything else. Now there's been a a, a series of incidents uh, surrounding some of their supporters. Uh, we had two uh, absolute mentalists turning up at Ibrook Stadium uh, with, a, with a Celtic banner. They'd cycled into the town in the middle of a lockdown and stood at the gates with this big Celtic banner with nine on it. And then they went round to the Loudoun, uh which is obviously shut. You know, very brave of them stood outside that. We had the ridiculous scenario. Uh, a 49-year-old man uh, broke into Ibrook Stadium to plant a, f- a flag on the turf. Uh, I have to re-emphasise he was 49. Uh, so, And he, he filmed himself doing it, which seems even madder. Uh, and today I saw a thing as well, the, you know, the, the Celtic fan I can't remember his name now, but he'd he, he done time recently for punching a horse. Uh, and he's been released early But as, as the prison's trying to deal with the, the, the COVID-19 outbreak. So he was sort of viewed as being in there for something relatively minor. So he was released early. And the first the first thing he'd done was get out. He, he made a hobby horse with a police hat on it and videoed himself punching it to celebrate nine in a row. It, it all seems... Uh, like, this means so much to them, you know what I mean, and, and they're, they're, they're trying to make something of it to the extent that a 49-year-old man is prepared to break into the ground. A 36-year-old man, although to be fair, he looks about 56, is punching a, a wooden horse uh, and, and and putting it up on YouTube and whatever. <laughs> these guys are mentalists. And it, it seems to me that, they're, as I say, it seems to me like they're trying to convince themselves more than anybody else. But some of the things that have happened have just been beyond the pale.
0: Colin, every day, just give thanks, you're a range supporter. Yeah, but for the grace of God, mate. Look, what, what can you say about them? I mean, you know, they have, every club has its, its unhinged percentage. Celtics seem to have a reasonably large percentage. And unfortunately, you you used to be able to ignore them. You used to just, you know, not need to see or hear them. But these days it's becoming harder with social media. Um, Yeah. I mean, you said it earlier, when we won nine in a row, you went to see your dad. I lived in Belfast when we won nine in a row, so I wasn't at the game either. And I phoned my dad and we had a chat over the phone because he was the guy I went to the games with and um, obviously I couldn't see him that time. Um, I came home, I think it was maybe two, the weekend, not the, week, not the weekend after it, but the weekend after that. Uh, I came home for the weekend to go to the game and um, and we all caught up, we all went for a drink. And you know what I didn't, never entered any of our heads, was going to Parkhead or, or going to a Celtic pub and noising them up. It just wasn't in our heads. I don't, you don't ask me to, explain to you why these people do these things, because it's beyond me, there, there, there's, there's, there's something missing there Um, yeah, look, they know they didn't I'm... win the league me Lennon knows he didn't win the league I mean, they can play along with that, but they all know they didn't win the league, that's fine Now yeah, let them have their moment but they they know themselves as a hollow hollow, hollow victory you know, the first of the nine in a row we were in administration for half the season the next four we weren't even in the league and this one, the league didn't get finished. Come on. Nine in a row. Keep
1: peace. I mean, I, I mean, that's how I view it. I, I have a theory about, you know, some of the, the pattern that we see from the Celtic support online, especially online. It's it's, it's off the scale sometimes on there. Uh, I, you, you were asking me. I had to lock my account through the week because I was getting so much abuse off some of them. You know what I mean? So... It is. It's it's bizarre, but I've got I've got a theory. I think there's three things that pushed them over the edge uh, over the last sort of thirty years. The first one was Morris Johnson. I think that was the start of the un, the real unhinging of that support. Uh, the second one was us winning nine in a row. I think that 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 really sort of pissed them off, and I think Helicopter Sunday destroyed them. I don't think there was any coming back for that. The the, the you know, I think that's why there's so much fuss about EBTs and everything. I think of all the titles they wanted stripped, that was the one that totally devastated them. And I think these three things have are the three main ingredients for your absolute mentalist Celtic supporter, which is kicking about these days. Uh, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. no, okay. Thought you were going to come back to me there, John. <laughs> I
0: stayed on mute. I was laughing away. Uh, no, I think, I think you're 100 right. Morris Johnson destroyed them for, for about five seasons. I couldn't agree more. Um, he I, I, I think Maurice Johnson. I, I think
1: I think you're I think you're right with five. I, I've always said that Johnson got pretty much one us the first five, just be yeah. signing on the dotted line.
0: Yeah, that that there was. They were not expecting that. That was the that was a blow to them. Of, of yeah, I, you know. I know we we, we kind of last. Last summer, I think you, yourself and Stuart did a, uh, yeah, a podcast. Yeah, the more Johnson I, I actually, are, Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you can, um, I don't think any of us will ever overestimate the uh, impact that Morris Johnson signing had on both clubs. But I, I think he that took the wind at Celtic sales for an awful long time. And and you're right, they've never quite got over it. There's a lot of them still very annoyed about that. <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about them anymore.
1: No, 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 we're moving on, we're moving on. Uh, so that's it, I mean, they've won, they've, sorry, they've been awarded the title this season, uh, and we move on. Uh, right, so other news that came out this week, guys, was uh, the club announced through the week that the following players would be allowed to leave in the summer when their, their contracts expire. Uh, Andy Halliday, Wes John Flanagan, Jordan Rossiter, uh, and uh, Jason Holt. Now I have to say with the last two Ross, on whole I'm I'm surprised that they were actually officially still on the books at Ibrox. Uh But I'll come to you first, Ross, on Andy Halliday. Now I mean, my view in Halliday is, I think any Rangers supporter, uh, is always especially one. I mean, I'm 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 originally from Glasgow. I know John disputes this, but I really am. I was born and governed. Uh, You know, if you've got a connection to the city and you've got a connection to that area of the city, you always like to see someone. From there doing well, you know, I think the last one that, from that sort of Kenning Park area was Ian Durant. So the fact that Andy Halliday was brought up in Cortland Road, he was a Rangers fan. I think we were all delighted for him when he, when he managed to come back to the club because obviously he was there as a boy. You know, he helped us get out that, that first division. He was he was quite a integral part of Warburton's squad that year. Second season when we were in the Premiership, it started to go a wee bit south from... Moved away, went away on loan, came back under Gerard, a wee bit galvanised and sort of started again to look as if he might actually, you know, play some part in Gerard's squad. But slowly but surely, game time has sort of dried up a wee bit, and lo and behold, this is this is him. He's he's, he's now leaving the club. Now, I, I, I suppose we could we could all argue that essentially he wasn't good enough. I have a theory about holiday that if we had a slightly stronger squad, then we could probably support a guy like him in it, but. Because we don't have enough quality, that you can't support the weaker players. You know, you really have to sort of weed them out a wee bit. What are your views on, on Andy Halliday? And, uh, I mean, I think we should all just say that it was it was a pleasure to have him at the club.
2: Yeah, it certainly was. And am um, I right in saying it was, you know, the, the guy's been here for five years. So, you know, there's, there's a hint of sadness about this. But, you know, he, he got to live his dream for five years, which is... I mean, that's five more years than I'll get to play for Rangers. Um, So I think he can be very, very proud of the role that he played. Let's be fair, I've rarely seen a player blow as hot and cold as Andy Halliday. There were some games that he played, um, particularly that first season in the Championship when he looked excellent. But there were also games, you know, when we were back in the Premiership. and, And let's not forget that last season, Gerard's first season, there was a, a weird kind of spell where Andy Halliday was our first choice left back because we couldn't trust Barisic or Flanagan for, for a wee while. Um, he's more than played his part. He's played a, a significant number of games. Um, I don't know. I don't sort of mean to necessarily publicise or advertise for for other media agencies, but um, if anyone's read the, the athletic interview that Jordan Campbell did with, with Halliday, it's superb. You know, and it's it's just interesting to hear Halliday talk about some of the the moments that he's had throughout his Rangers career, from signing to the the goal against Hibbs. Um, I was I was there that day for the the Petrofac game against Hibbs, and, uh, and he planted that one from twenty five yards, and you could see what it meant to him, even just almost in the lack of running about like a madman, just him standing there in front of the fans, arms out wide and taking it all in. Um, I remember I'd never really heard of him until he signed, but I remember watching his Rangers TV interview on the day that he signed saying that he would play in goal for this club. And it actually got me thinking, that's something that we've missed because you'll get a lot of Scottish lads that will sign and say, oh, you know, I, I grew up supporting Rangers and you don't necessarily believe it. I mean, with Andy Halliday, there was no doubt he was the quintessential one of our own. Um, and Like I say, blue hot and cold. Um, his relationship with Pedro again from that athletic article is, it's kind of fascinating to get his insight on that and um, moving to Azerbaijan for six months was always a bit of a strange one. I'm glad he got to have a, a wee bit of a renaissance under Gerard. Um, I'm not sure he was expecting it. I think he was probably expecting to leave two seasons ago, uh, but he, you know, he, he, again, he, he proved, he proved valuable. Um, he, he came up in the big games I think he can go and be justly proud of what he's done. I hear he's he's looking at moving to the MLS because he couldn't play for another Scottish club, um, and I, I think all power to him. I think he, he's he's a useful player. He's not a he's not a top tier player, but he's he's dedicated. He's a trier. He's industrious. He's a utility man, um, and I think he can go with the best wishes
1: of, of pretty much every Rangers fan. John, staying on holiday. I mean, I, I think one of the, the, the most disappointing things we, I feel for the boy is he never got a top flight medal. You know, he, he should have won the Scottish Cup and he should have scored the winning goal. I mean, he scored the goal to the goal put Rangers 2-1 up that day against, I don't know, 12, 13 minutes to go. And not only we did we not, not able to hold on to that, for extra time, but we, we ended up conceding two and losing the game entirely. But I mean, he, he has had some highlights in his career. Obviously, that semi-cup, uh, sorry, semi-final uh, game in the cup against Celtic. You know, when Rangers were still in the the championship and we put out Celtic, uh, he, he won the Petrofac Cup, and I believe he, he scored that day. was there that day, and he's he's got his championship medal from from when we were promoted into the the, the Premiership. Another thing that I don't think he gets a lot of credit for is is, is how strong he is mentally. Because if you think of the, the abuse that he's received since he's been here, you know, he was taken off in one of the semi final doings from Celtic, you know, basically humiliated. Uh, I think it was Marty that was manager at the time. You know, he was there that day when we, when we got beat 5 0 at Celtic Park, you know, and, you know, the Celtic fans always make a, a beeline for him in terms of their chance, and, you know, and it, it just doesn't seem phased by it, you know what I mean? And it's something I don't think he got enough credit for, and I think that's why Gerard came out at one point and said, he was kind of unofficial captain in the team, you know, because, you know, he maybe does lack a wee bit in terms of ability, but I don't think, I think in terms of having that mentality, play for Rangers, I think Andy Halliday has it.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry to see Halliday go as well. I mean, I agree with everything Ross said. When push comes to shove, he isn't quite good enough. But, I agree with everything you just said there as well. It's just unusual. I mean, maybe agree with both of you. Um, I don't know. It's clear the lockdown's having more of an effect on me than I thought. I, I I agree with everything you said. I think he is mentally strong. I, I, I think he I think he could still have done job for Rangers. I think he is the type of player because he is a utility player, he's a good guy to have in your squad. He can, you know, play midfield, he can play fullback, um, you know, he's he knows the league, he knows the club. Uh, you know, I, I I think if we were living in different times, I think if everything that happened that is happening hadn't happened, I think a good argument could be made for him having getting another, another, another year, maybe two-year contract um, as a guy having your squad. Because I, I, the other thing I've picked up on, Gerard has always spoken about his presence in the dressing room, um, his presence around the club. I, I picked up on that as well when, when he, he described him as his unofficial captain. Um, and I thought that was interesting. And you do need guys like that. I don't know if any of you have seen, the, uh, I, I texted you during the week about The, the Last Dance, the, the thing on Netflix um, about Michael Jordan, and it's interesting, uh, you know, entirely different sport. You may be wondering what comparison I'm going to make between Andy Halliday and Michael Jordan. And I'm not going to make any comparison, but the point I was going to make was as an insight into top level sport, you understand just how important the mentality of a club is you know, all of these clubs, all of the professional football clubs have got highly talented football players, but it's that mentality, that winning mentality that makes a difference. And I wonder if Andy has that. I wonder if, if, if that's part of the issue here, that, that maybe, you know, he's a, he's a good guy around the place, he's a strong guy, but, but maybe he just doesn't have that, that killer instinct um, that, frankly, maybe the, the top players need and maybe Gerard can see that. So, you know, he's a guy who, you know, I suspect will be welcome um, at supporters clubs and on Rangers TV and uh, throughout the fan base for many years to come because he conducted himself well. Um, he came when we needed him and he did a job whenever he was asked and you can't ask for any more than that. And I'm, I'm sorry to see him go. Yeah.
1: Well, Ross, uh West on? how do you feel about that? I mean, I know, I know lots of people, especially the gaffer, Frankie, he was always quite a, uh, a strong defender of, of Wes saying, you know, he was a, a decent goalkeeper. And, you know, if it wasn't for McGregor coming back, he'd, he'd be quite happy with, with Wes between the sticks. I thought Fotheringham was a decent uh, short stopper, but there was, there was weaknesses to his game. I felt shots for distance were always a thing with Fotheringham. He got beat with a couple of big, big games as well, and all firm game shots that he felt he should have been saving. So, I'm not entirely surprised. I mean, obviously, the man himself might be thinking, look, I'm not getting first team football here. It's time for me to go. But was there a case, you know, McGregor's getting, what is he, 36, 37 now? Even as a goalkeeper, he's sort of pushing that a But uh Was there any argument for for him to stay? Or with, with young McCrory in the back there, is it, is it just a case there's, there's no room for him?
2: I think there's there's definitely a, a difference in ability or yeah, let's say ability between him and, and McGregor? So let's say that the coming season is possibly McGregor's wind-down season. I think, you know, what you're alluding to there with his age, it's probably his last at the top level because of his age. Um, to go from McGregor to Fodringham, I think, would be a disappointment because I just don't think they're the same calibre. That's not to say Fodringham is a bad keeper. And, I, I, you know, I've always agreed with Frankie on this that I, I, I quite like him. I think he was... You know, I, I do, and this is going to come across as harsh, but he's he's a six and a half out of ten. Realistically, he's not he's not great. He does a job, um, and actually, this is this is going to sound harsh, but I don't I don't quite mean it how it's going to sound. I wish we'd sold him last year, because last year I think we could have got half a million, maybe seven hundred and fifty k from an English Championship side, you know, from like a a Hull or someone like that. Um, or a Reading because that's probably his level and now to see him you know we've paid for him to sit out another year of his contract on what I can imagine I mean sizable enough wages because he was at one point signed to be a first choice keeper um, so sizable wages for another year to let him go at the end of the contract without any fee coming in is a disappointment because we got no return for it. we got no product or output from the guy this season now that's not his fault you know he's He's a number two goalkeeper and it's a curious position to be in. Um, what I will say, though, is that I don't think McCrory is is quite ready yet. I know he's got rave reviews everywhere he's been on loan. Um, I remember having this conversation with Pete a few times when Pete used to do this show was that his opinion from, from the folk that he would speak to who were quite involved in the youth teams were that McCrory, just not quite there yet, hopefully one day, but but not yet. Um, so I think we need to now bring someone else in. And that's why it's a little bit frustrating that Fodringham has been allowed to run down his contract when he was one of kind of few valuable, valuable-ish valuable assets that, that we could have moved on. And I think that, that kind of harks back to the main criticisms of Mark Allen, that, that we didn't do enough of that forward planning. And actually, it's something that's kind of dog Rangers for a number of years, is we don't sell on players when there's still some value left in them. So but I liked him. Um, I don't think he had many howlers, which is important. Um, he was probably a, a, got a little bit lucky in the fact that he came in when he wasn't facing great players. You know, he was a, a good player in that championship winning team because the championship strikers weren't amazing. Um, and then he gets replaced by by McGregor. So he's maybe rode his luck a wee bit. But again no ill-feeling towards the guy, he'll, he'll slot in nicely at a Reading or a Brentford or a QPR or something, um, and he'll have a, a perfectly successful career, I'm sure.
1: John, uh, on your namesake, John Flanagan, although the spelling's slightly different. Obviously, it was, it was a bit of a controversial signing uh, when when he arrived due to his, his sort of incident when he was at Liverpool. And uh, How do you feel about Flanagan moving on? I I felt a wee bit for Flanagan. Now, obviously couldn't defend what the guy done off the park and, you know, can't be strong enough in in saying that. But once he's here, you kind of have to say, right, he's here. We need to get behind the guy. Uh, I felt he was a wee bit unlucky. He never really got a run at right back. You know, he was all sort of uh, used at left back. And the biggest problem with left back is I thought he made us too narrow because he would always cut inside, especially when, and that first season he was here and it was him and Jamie Murphy in the early part of the season because the two of them would cut inside, you know, so I, I felt it made us quite predictable and narrow. Uh, so I, I do kind of feel for him and I, I, I did think there would maybe be room for him as a squad player. I was a wee bit surprised that they didn't give him maybe even another year or something. Like that. How did you feel about Flanagan leaving? I'm
0: delighted he's moving. I didn't want us to sign him. I'm glad he's leaving. Yeah, I agree. Every team, there's a player in it you don't like. And sometimes it's an irrational dislike. There have been Rangers players in the past that I dislike, and it was totally irrational. And I've, I've said to people oh, I disliked him, that I could dislike him, he was a great player. I've never had that conversation with John Flanagan. John Flanagan wasn't a good player. He was a fairly average player. Um, I mean, it, I used to hear the argument, oh, he's a better defender than, than Tav. I'm a better defender than Tav but I'm not a better fullback and, and Flanagan isn't a better fullback than Tav and that's a simple fact. And, I, I, you know, Tav has many faults, but, but um, no, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a good thing because I, I suspect he's on a reasonable salary um, He's an experienced player. Uh, I hope this means that um, one, of the, the, one of the younger lads is, is going to become uh, first choice, uh, right, uh, second choice right back now, um, which I think would be the right thing for the club to do, you know, I don't, I don't wish the guy any harm, but no, nah, I'm glad he's left. That's fine. You know, I, I don't think, he, I don't actually think he's good enough. Um, I, I really don't. You know, I know what you're saying. You know, you felt sorry for him because he was getting played out of position, but nah, nah, sorry, sorrow was never a, an emotion I felt about John Flanagan to be quite honest with
1: you. I can't blame you for that, to be fair. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I did think that would maybe be room for him as a squad player, uh, but you know. It is what it is. I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised or majorly disappointed, but I was, there was part of me thinking, oh, you know, maybe we could have made room for him. But that is what it is. With him but, and
0: Halliday, sorry, sorry, cutting across. No, you know, go, and you, go but you go. With him and Halliday both leaving, there's, you know, there's clearly now a need for us to strengthen at fullback. You know, you we have, we've got, you know, a first choice left back, we've got a first choice right back. Assuming both stay, um, you know, Barisic. And we've got Tav. So that's our first choices. But there's not a lot of depth there after that. Um, you know, there's the there's the young lad who came in and, and played one game in the Cup. Um, his name's going completely out of my head just the now. poster? Um, that's, no, not poster. The, the young lad. The, the, patterson. I, that's the guy. Sorry. patterson oh, Nathan Patterson. Um, there's him. And, and beyond that, there's not a lot of depth. Um, so I suspect we'll be we
1: we'll be looking for uh, probably a left-back, uh, I suspect, some, somebody to bring in. Ross, on, on, on Rossiter, uh, try and quickly cover these two and then we'll move on. Jordan Rossiter, again, <laughs> I think the, the, the continual phase was he's seven to ten days away and those seven to ten days never came. Any time the boy did play, I must admit, there was times I saw him, I thought there was a player in there if he could just get fit, but it was one of those players that, you know, after the third or fourth injury, you just got that feeling, this isn't going to work out for the boy, you know, he's just he's just one of those players that's just going to be continually injured, he's going to have, I don't know, a 10, 15-year career, and he's going to have a similar amount of games as, as Michael Stewart, you know, has in his, his professional career, uh, and it, it doesn't seem to be any fault of the boys, it just seems to be the way his body's made up, you know, he seems to just pick up, niggle after niggle after niggle Uh, but I I think there was a player there and I I feel slightly sad that it didn't quite work out for him at Rangers.
2: Yeah and actually he's am I right in thinking that when he moved to Fleetwood on loan he actually put together a decent string of games I mean not a full season obviously um, but I think he played for him a significant number Uh, it's it's a sad one because you're right he's he's clearly a talented boy um, impressed obviously moving through the ranks at liverpool and and when he did play for us um there were flashes of what he could do and i remember when he scored remember the the mental 5-5 game against hibbs at the end of the season a couple of years back
1: i thought he was the best man in the park that day actually Rossiter,
2: he was and remember when he when he got his goal as well i was thrilled for the lad i was so happy for him because you know, the the word from inside Ibrooks was that it was gutting for him that he'd moved all the way up to to Scotland, um, was being given this shot and knew that he could kind of make the the midfield his own. Um, And it just wasn't working out for him because his body was letting him down and there was nothing he could do about that. It crushed him. It absolutely devastated the kid. Um, So for him to come on to a tough game, obviously at Easter Roads and a a tough opposition and and get a goal just just to sort of it was almost like he was putting all of that behind him, and I was, I was so happy for him. Um, this is another lad who will probably now kick around League One, maybe English Championship, probably have a career-ending injury by the age of 26. Um, it's, it's sad, uh, but ultimately this is, uh, you know, I said with him. I wish we'd sold him a year ago. There was no way we were ever getting money for Rossiter. You know, after the amount of time he spent injured for us, we were never getting any any cash for him. So um, the lads had no future at Rangers and, and all we can do is, is see him out the door.
1: John, quick mention for Jason Hole. A really likeable player, you know, especially that season we were in the Championship. Again, another one who probably didn't quite have what it took to be a Rangers player, but, you know, quite a skillful wee player. and Certainly in the Championship he was and. Worked so hard for the team. And again, another one that, that goes with our best wishes, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, like Halliday, that season, I remember the, there was a game against Hibbs around Christmas time that season. And it was, it was an important game because it was basically us and Hibbs that were fighting it out for, for automatic promotion. Uh, and him and Halliday had a great game that day. You know, we, we won at C2 in the end. Um, I think Jason Cummings scored for them. Um, and um, but, yeah, but Holt was that Holt had a great game that day, and he Holt was great that
1: day.
0: Yeah, I, I I couldn't remember if he'd scored or if he set it he up. Did, but yeah, he, he scored. Was, he was uh, he was he's one of these guys that, that you know he timed his runs from midfield. I think the thing that goes against just his size, uh, I think his his physique goes against him a little bit. Um, you know, I think if we're all being honest, he's just not quite good enough to make the Rangers first team. Um, as such, you know, you have to let him go, and and and. Wish him all the best. I mean, I, you said it actually earlier on and I, I laughed earlier when I, I saw your list of players. I, I, like you, I'd actually forgotten he still played for this. <laughs> he's been at St Johnston, I think, this season. And I think the season before that, he was down south playing for somebody. He might have been Fleetwood as well, actually.
1: Um, yeah, he was, down, he was down at Fleetwood.
0: Yeah. and, and, and uh, So, he's, he's not been around the first team much. Um, you know, good luck to Jason Holt. You know, Jason Holt, I, I could see him um, go back to Hearts. You know, I could, if Hearts to go into the championship, I could see him going in there. Um, you know, because he'll do a job for a team at that level. You know, he's, he's absolutely a player who could. You know, he's a, he's a midfielder who'll get you 10, 12 goals a season at that level, um, which makes him fairly valuable at that level. And, and yeah, good luck to him. Um, uh, nothing bad to say about Jason hope.
1: Right, guys. Uh, now, obviously, folk who are not part of the Net podcast won't know how we work. But you know we have a wee section on the forums when I post the agenda. Now earlier on at the start of the show, I was talking about how my head's totally mince at the moment, and I, I, you know, I'm not productive. And I've just noticed I put a bit on the agenda and added absolutely nothing to it <laughs> about the club's 1872. Why did none of you say? I posted the agenda and none of you said to me. He's just laughing at me behind my back. No, I
2: mean, none of us read it. To be honest, <laughs> I love that you think we read this.
1: Do you mean there's an agenda for these programs? <laughs> Do you guys know what I'm going to talk about? <laughs> well, she used to send me messages ten minutes before we're on air going, Where's the agenda? Oh, you're right in the piss. <laughs> anyway, right, uh, now I'll, I'll just come to you on this because I'm I'm I'm, I'm weary of time. I'll come to you in this, Ross. Uh, it's about Club 1872, you know, they they put a complaint in about the daily record and the Sunday Mail a story in that absolute rag of a paper, which *Jersey* doesn't even recognise anymore. You know, we've we've banned them from the forums and we don't talk about them anymore. They ran a story saying that the Rangers fans had displayed a banner eh, that was offensive eh, and had a sex act, including a priest or the Pope or something like that. And it was absolute nonsense. And the whole thing went on and on. And the Daily Record and the Sunday Mail couldn't provide any evidence, but yet stood by their story. And, it, and the, the complaint by Club 1872 has been upheld. Now, i you keen to get your views here on that publication, you know, the Daily Record and the Sunday Mail. And the, the main reason is, you know, I sort of turned my back on these two papers about 20 years ago when they ran a story about John Gregg. Uh, they had them on the front page of the Sunday Mail mimicking playing a flute and a beer bottle, you know, and making them out to be a bigot and all that kind of thing. Uh, And the photo at the time was about 10, 15 years old. You know, it was a very young John Gregg, uh, some do, and I think it was in America or something like that. And that was the turning point for me. I really started to question that rag at that point. The absolute line in the sand for me was the story they ran about Ranger supporters chucking their kids in front of police fans on Cathcart Road after the Hibs fans invaded the park at the Scottish Cup final 2016. This is another example for me of where this rag stands, you know, they, they really do, I don't know if it's because, you know, their circulation is diminishing so rapidly that they're just lashing out. I don't know what it is, but the, the, the their conduct is absolutely shocking. Keith Jackson is an absolute nightmare on Twitter. He's, he's just an arse, really. Uh, and it was great to see Club 1872 sort of nailing them at the door. What's your views on that whole thing, Ross?
2: Uh, well, I'm surprised that they and actually, so if, if people don't know what we're talking about, obviously, Club 1872 have have managed to, they've, they've stopped short of saying that we've got evidence now that the record lied, because that's not quite what Ipso, I, uh, Ipso or the, the press complaints folk, whatever they're called, um, they've obviously stopped short of saying that there was a lie, but they're saying there wasn't enough evidence to, to print it or whatever, so I cannot believe that the record would do this, considering how bad it went for them after 2016, when they again were found to have lied about um, folk like yourself putting your boy in front of the police vans on Cathcart Road. Um, it's, it's such a ready for them in 2016. It's obviously taken four years for them to get over that and they've gone and done it again. Like, if you read through the Club 1872 statement, it's embarrassing the fact that obviously they're writing this based on the account of a journalist who wasn't at the game, who only made up, who only sort of came forward with this account a number of days later and a number of, it's so badly done, so amateur and it shows the agenda. But what it does is it shows that Keith Jackson and his whole cabal are, they're working from the Janie Godley school of publicity, which is, very simply I need engagement therefore I'm going to target Rangers fans because that's the only thing that can galvanize a large chunk of Scotland is laughing at Rangers fans so let's let's you know put them to be the bad guy let's make a story about Rangers. Janie Godley does it all the time all the time she'll find a picture of someone saying something racist or um, you know acting in a derogatory manner and she'll say probably a rangers fan ha, ha 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 and people pile on and that's how she gets engagement and that's how she's still famous the daily record seemed to have read her pamphlet because that's all they do now because their circulation is you know absolutely through the floor um all they can do is make up these trash stories that did not happen categorically did not happen um and that's how they get engagement because people will
1: buy into that stuff if it's derogatory towards Rangers fans. It's an embarrassment. The Daily ready. Yeah, I mean I can't disagree us at all. It's, uh, I mean the story involving Rangers fans at the, the, the Scottish Cup final in two thousand sixteen. I got in touch with the journalist who wrote that story on Twitter to say I was on Cathcart Road. I was there with my boy. Uh, I didn't see anything like that. I'm happy. I'm happy to give my version of events, and she blocked me. Instantly blocked me. And I think that shows you the level of engagement that, that they are looking for when it comes to Rangers. And when you looked at her profile pic, I can't even remember the lass's name, eh, but it was a picture of her and Scott Brown. So I mean, I think that tells you everything that you need to know about you know some of the people working for, for the Daily Record and the Sunday Mail. Eh, and it's good that I think Club 1872 sort of got this victory. You know, they made a complaint. It's obviously been a well thought out and uh, well, evidence complaint, you know, they've went in, and, and as you say, the IPSO have upheld that complaint in the Daily records yet again. I've, I've got to, you know, slink away with their, with their tail between their legs. Uh, John, coming to you, the, the, another thing that came out this week was there's rumours that, that, that the Hadji deal is is just about complete and that Rangers will make his move permanent. Now, it looks like the, the, the reputed fee is about 4.5 million. A couple of questions for you. Do you think he's, he's earned a, 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 a permanent deal you know, he's, with his performances so far? Do you think £4.5 would represent good value? And uh, is Michael Stewart a fanny for Talking Pish about it again on Twitter?
0: <laughs> well, let's... I mean, the problem i has got is that he didn't get enough games. You know, he was obviously... he came come on against Braga, you know, turned the game, um, showed skill, showed a bit of fight, and and you know you realise there's a there's a player in there, there's a proper player in there. Um, and you've we've seen we've seen glimpses of that. He scored, was it Hamilton? He scored, um, lovely goal when he kind of cut inside, twenty yards out or so. Um, and he's he's shown glimpses, and you know there's a player in there, and you can only assume that Gerard having seen him in training and, and spent time with him feels that this is a guy that, you know, you just step up. He's, he's a, an improvement of what we've got there just now. So under normal circumstances, um, you know, assuming he would have got, you know, half the season, um, assuming you would have got some, some pretty, you know, but meaningful games, um, we would have had a much better idea. So we're just going to have to go with what would on this? I, I'm going to sound like your pal. Yeah, but don't go on negative.
1: Don't go on negative on me, John.
0: I I am nervous about the club committing that kind of money on anybody just now. You know, I mean, I know we've not got long to go, and I, I don't want to, you know, go down a rabbit hole with this. But you know, I think, I think there is going to be, I think, I think Michael Stewart is a tube. I think Michael Stewart is a guy who, you know, is incapable of saying anything about Rangers or their supporters that isn't any way, frankly, accurate most of the time. But certainly, he's he's incapable of saying anything complimentary. Um, so I'm not going to say he has a point on this because, you know, you have to assume that the club are, you know, the club are being run by people who who care about the club. The club has been run by people who are not going to put the club at risk. I, I'm confident on that. But I am surprised. Now, maybe four and a half million is one of these figures that gets kind of bandied about in the media, but it's actually, you know, a million this season, you know, a million next season and another million if he plays so many games. And then I cut off his cell on that. You know, who knows how that could be structured? But I am a little surprised that with everything that has happened, with the, the uncertainty around around football just now, not just Scottish football, but but the uncertainty around football just now, I am a little surprised that we are considering spending £4.5 million on on anyone just now. Um, I just am. You know, I I know we've not got a lot of time left. I know we we can take me down a rabbit hole here, but the the chairman of Hull City was interviewed today um, and he said that he expects 50 to 60 English teams to go to the wall in the next three months. 50 to 60 English teams. Now, he could be wildly wrong, you know. He could be, he could be talking utter nonsense. But I think there will be football clubs across the UK and, and frankly, across Europe, looking to offload players in the next few months. And I suspect prices will drop. I suspect wages will drop. Um, so is four and a half million pounds for for Hadji. Good value. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not sure at this stage. I would be committing that money to 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 Hadji at this stage. But you know, I I at the same time I caveat that by saying I trust the guys that are running the club. You know, I I do have faith in them. It's not meant as a dig at them. I'm not suggesting they're being reckless. I'm just a little
2: surprised. That's my view. I think, I think what it does do. <laughs> what it does do, John, is it makes. Ross Wilson's job, even more important in terms of moving players out the door. We referenced Mark Allen earlier saying that that's what he was allegedly not very good at. But I think um, we now have to expect that there will be active moves to try and sell Morelos, try and cash in on Barisic, even assets such as Glenn Kamara. I think if, if these figures are correct and if the deal does go ahead, I think there's now even more pressure on us moving bodies out the door as well. I agree entirely. I, I, I think anybody who thinks
0: the Rangers team that, whenever football starts in Scotland, but anyone who thinks the Rangers team that starts the next season will resemble the one that finished this season is, is not paying attention to what's going on just now. And I agree entirely. I think if there are halfway serious bids for any of our players just now, I think the club has to accept them. And I don't think that's just our you know, I think that would be every club, and I include our rivals across the city in that. Um, I think we are all facing a potential financial hole that could not have been foreseen. Could not have been. You know, you couldn't have put anything in 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 place to prepare for what's happened because nobody saw it coming. It's just it's you know, it's a tsunami. Um, and I. You know, I I think there has to be a level of realism amongst the support, and I worry a little bit that we're maybe not—we're not seeing that in the media just now, and we're not hearing that from the club just now. And I do think there may be a need for us to to start, you know, tempering expectations amongst the support. But
1: we'll see. Uh, I I think tempering expectations is difficult for any club to do at this time of year, John, because they're trying to sell season tickets. You know what I mean? They're trying to sell season tickets for games that. They don't know when they're going to take place, so I think things like this make supporters think, "Oh yeah, right, I'll renew then." It's as it's difficult, and I do agree with you in terms of football. Could not have anticipated this. No one could. However, I do think the business model that football uses has to be seriously scrutinised. Because you know, I, I was reading a thing on the Athletic again, uh, as, as Ross mentioned earlier on. There was there was a really good piece on there about. Uh, you know the cost of football and how much money comes into football and how much money goes out, and it's something like I, th- I think over the last three or four years, I read I figure it was something like the Premiership had uh, made three billion or something like that through uh, TV revenue alone. You know through the, the 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 rights in the UK plus overseas rights and selling it to the Far East and Asia and all those kind of things. So three billion in sort of TV revenue, and two point nine of that went back out in wages. You know what I mean? And you're just like that, thats that's where we are. There's So much money coming in, but there's so much greed in the game that when something like this comes along, all the clubs have been chucking money about like there's no tomorrow. Suddenly realize, actually, we, we don't have enough in the bank to see us through this. So that's the one thing I, I, I don't want any club to go under. Well, that's maybe no strictly true, but. <laughs> I, I I would like to see most clubs survive, you know, because this is a horrible time. But the one thing I hope does come out at when we get to the end of this is that football reviews how it how it conducts itself, especially in this country, because I think it's I think it's off the scale, eh, particularly down south, obviously. Eh, so maybe that's one thing that will come out. Of it, I don't know. Eh, right, guys, quickly. I'm conscious of time, I've sort of ran over the five minutes, so to sort of quickly wrap it up eh, today, the forty eighth anniversary of the win in Barcelona in 1972 when Rangers won their only European trophy so far. The European Cup Winners' Cup uh, 3-2 against Moscow Dynamo in Barcelona's new camp stadium. John, quickly, uh, do you think that this is an achievement? I've felt this for a long time, that it's one that's undervalued in Scotland and by your own club at times.
0: I think it's undervalued in Scotland. I don't think it's spoken about nearly as much as it should. Um, which surprises me, I have to say it does surprise me, um, because if you have a look at our run, the teams that we had to play, Rennes of of France, Sporting Lisbon, um, Torino and Bayern Munich, that's who we had to play to get to the final um, and, and win it, so we, we played against, you know, French team, a Portuguese team, an Italian team, a, German, a West German team as it was at the time, and then a Soviet Union team, you know, that, that's seriously hard competition to win. Um, so, you know, Bayern Munich, but in particular, the semi-final victory against Bayern Munich, you know, there is a strong argument to be made that the, the, our home leg against Bayern Munich was arguably the best performance for England's side ever. 2-0 against Bayern Munich. Um, you know, a Bayern Munich team that, that basically gave you the spine of the West German team that went on to win the World Cup two years later. You know, that Bayern Munich team went on, what, three European Cups in a row? The European three European Cups, in, yeah, three in a row. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and by all accounts, you know, I've seen highlights of it, but, you know, by all accounts, we took them apart at Ivox that night. Um, and then went on, and, and you know, we three up and, and coasting. So, yeah, I agree entirely. I don't really know why. I mean, I don't know if it's just, it's in black and white. It's, you know, it just feels like an awful long time ago. Um, and it's maybe that's diminished it a little bit, perhaps because the Cup Winners' Cup as a tournament isn't around anymore. I'm not actually sure why, um, because, you know, there's only been three Scottish teams that have ever won a European trophy. Uh, I think an awful lot more should be made of it um, because it it really was an achievement. uh, And, you know, at a time when, you know, at a time when that that was a Rangers team that was just full of guys from central Scotland. You know, that's, you know... (laughs) We, we didn't have Colombians or, or Danish guys playing for us in those days. You know, we, we, this was a team of local guys who we went on and, and and beat you know some of the strongest teams in Europe from some of the strongest countries in Europe. You know, torino Torino were a great team at that time. You know, Ter- were a fantastic team. You know, I talked about that. I mean, Sport and Lisbon, spot Lisbon have always had strong teams. You know, Ren, You know, French football is a high level. We were not playing teams from Luxembourg and Malta in those days. You know, this was this was good, good, good quality teams we were playing. So. Yeah, absolutely. It it is. You know, we all know about it, but I agree. It, it, I think it is, and I think it's just to do with the fact it's black and white. It seems old. It seems an awful long time ago now. Um, um, but I, I suspect more will be made of it in two years' time, and, and it will be a. Um, it will help. You know, I mean, I don't know. Guys, Ross's age, you don't know about it. I obviously don't know all about it, but it might help actually cement what it actually means to the club. You know, our, our own European trophy. Um, and it should be held in higher
1: regard. Ross, quickly on the on the 50th anniversary in a couple of years' time, I slightly disagree with John. I think the club eh, do undervalue it a wee bit. I can remember doing a tour at a few years ago, and there wasn't even a replica trophy in the in the the, the, the trophy room at the time. I think the one that's in there the now was is gifted by the Loudon Bar. I don't think it's the club's. So there is this feeling that, in my opinion anyway, that the club have never really recognised it the way they should. I don't know. I I, I think maybe it's something to do with some of the stuff afterwards. I don't know. But does the 50th anniversary in a couple of years' time give the club an opportunity to change that, do you think?
2: Yeah, look, you certainly want to see it um, pride of place in the club. Um, and I suppose it needs to be tied in with the wider 150th anniversary celebrations that that will be going on in a couple of years time. Um, There's obviously a lot of talk about what we do with Edmonton House and a lot of the rumours have been around a football museum there. If that happens then you want a giant big replica trophy front and centre and you want videos and photos and um well, I wasn't even a, an itch in my dad's shorts at that time. it was a long time before I was around. but you know stories of, of that of that run and those teams that we beat are still big teams today and the the feat of, of getting to that Cup final and winning it a team from Scotland it's it's magical. Um, and I think we can be justly proud of that that part of our history. and what I love about it is that every Rangers fan seems to have, an uncle or a dad or a granddad or someone who went and has a mental story, you know, I mean, I'm sure I've heard stories of, of a great uncle of mine went to Barcelona without a ticket and he didn't come home for three weeks because he managed to get into the game. He was so pished that, that took him out of action for about two and a half days. And then he just wandered about Spain for two and a half more weeks. And every, every Rangers fan seems to have a member of their family that has a story like that. So it's a, it's a massive part of our history. And I think that um, this is probably where we will benefit from having a director of communications who um, has more of a history with Rangers and more of an affinity maybe with Rangers supporters. Obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's got good links with Rangers supporters. And I think he will know how important this kind of thing is to us and I think that that's probably an asset that we'll see in twenty twenty two when when we have the fiftieth anniversary celebrations.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. I hope it gives the club an opportunity to recognise the, the guys. I was at a dinner last year uh, with, with with the winning team there. Uh, obviously, Sandy Jarvin wasn't there, but the, the the surviving members of the team, and it was a it was a really good night. And the, the the, the replica trophy was there and, you know, we've got a few jerseys signed and all that kind of thing. And these boys, you know, they, they deserve the recognition because, you know, the club's been in four uh, finals, five if you include the first uh, Super Cup final. They're the only ones that have won something. So, yeah, I think they deserve uh, front and centre, as you say, Ross. Uh, and looking at the time, guys, we've kind of massively overran. So uh, I think we'll call it quits there. So that is all. Uh, from this week's uh, edition of the Jers Night Weekly podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans where the content is absolutely free. Apologies for overrunning tonight, but you have to appreciate it, I suppose. The three of us are sitting in our living rooms all week with only our wives to speak to. So when we come together, we, we want to chat about the Rangers. Uh, a big thanks to Ross and John for for their contributions tonight. Absolutely brilliant stuff. We will have a show next week, no doubt. Uh, obviously, things are up in the air at the moment. No football, but you know, there's always plenty to talk about when it comes to Rangers. In the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, again, as we say every week, you know, it's, it's unusual times, unprecedented times. Stay safe, look after yourself, stay home, don't spread the virus. Uh, and until the next time, bye for now. Loyalty to Rangers is what binds us. And together, we are stronger. Launching for the
0: 2021 season, the MyJers membership programme is a new way to get even closer to the club you love. It's the one place where you can access benefits like ticketing priority, club discounts and exclusive competitions and experiences. There's even a limited edition welcome gift when you join. Visit rangers.co.uk slash to join today. Always Rangers. Always loyal. Always rewarded.